I'm Dean Newland, and welcome to the Business of Intuition, where I coach, facilitate, train, and speak on the hard science and meaningful experience of intuitive leadership in business, so you can make better decisions, forge real connections, and creatively solve problems to amplify your impact and simplify your life. Welcome to the Business of Intuition. From surviving a harrowing plane crash to revolutionizing the B2B phone industry, my next guest's journey is indeed a testament to the power of resilience and innovation. Our discussion unearthed profound insights into how adversities can catalyze transformative business strategies and personal growth. My guest's story really begins with a life-threatening plane crash, an event that despite its initial overshadowing by his busy life, later became a pivotal moment of reflection and resilience. This resilience fueled his transformation and transition from a burned-out DJ spitting tracks at 383 gigs in a year to the visionary founder of a successful phone company. His name is Peter Schroeder, and Peter is a groundbreaking force in music, entrepreneurship, and technology. As a multi-award-winning DJ and visionary founder of Telzio, a unified communications company, he has redefined work and communication, making tasks seamless and efficient. With over two decades of innovation, Peter has collaborated with industry giants like Facebook, Samsung, and Airbnb. And from a young age, Peter captivated audiences as a radio host and appeared on popular TV shows in Denmark. He founded Scandinavian largest artist community at just the age of 14 years and later selling it to pursue his passion for music. As one of Denmark's top DJs, he earned over 20 platinum records, 40 gold records, and a triple nomination for the prestigious Danish DJ Awards. Peter Schroeder on the Business of Intuition. But I think one of the great benefits of having a podcast is that you get to meet some really amazing people and hear some amazing stories that then we can take some of those lessons learned and apply it in our own leadership with our own teams and our own companies. I've got Peter here who's got this really wild story, man. I got I can't wait to hear about it. But when I got your information, I said, wait a minute, am I actually reading this correctly? You fell out of a plane? So tell us the story about falling out of a plane. And then I think we would love to start with that, but also what did you learn and how can we possibly apply some of that into um, our day-to-day business life? Yeah, well, well, first of all, I didn't fall out of a plane. It, it just crashed. Uh, oh, it crashed. Well, okay. probably well, the that's right word. pretty intense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing, right? It's... um. So it was like a little commuter uh, turboprop, not, not that little really, I think there's room for 80 people or something like that. And then as we were about to land, we were told over the speakers that uh, they couldn't get that little lamp to uh, come on that shows that it, uh, the landing gears are locked in place. So uh, we circled around for an hour and a half or something like that. And uh, eventually they had prepared enough and burned some fuel uh, to try and make an, uh, an attempt to land. And um, then the landing gear did collapse and we got off the runway, circled around a couple of times and uh, uh, the propeller went through the fuselage and uh, wow. yeah, uh, it was a mess. 
but no one died. There was my lady broke her arm or something like that. And then that was, that was really it. Uh, got a little scruffs here and there. And I was actually on a plane later that same, same evening. Wow. And the funny thing is I, I, I forgot about it. <laughs> and I should probably talk to some professional about that because yeah. uh, it, it came up uh, like maybe a couple of years ago. Uh, this was back in 2010, it happened. And then a couple of years ago, it came up during a, a dinner conversation with some friends and I was like, oh yeah, wait a minute. I was on that plane. <laughs> that was, uh, that was, that was, that so was you weird. Really just um, wanted it out. You just stopped thinking about it. I think, I think so. so I think so. I, I was so busy during that time. And, and, uh, I was, I was on a plane later the same evening, uh, out on, on a DJ gig in, in Germany. So I, I had to just, uh, you know, keep tracking. Um, right, so right. I, I completely blocked it out. Yeah. So do you remember what it felt like when you knew that this plane was in trouble? Like, was there, um, was there a sense like this could be it and my number has been drawn or no, did you uh, always have trust that this, that, that you would land safely? What was your thinking? Yeah, th that's the thing. So to give a little backstory, that same model plane had the same issue a week earlier in Denmark. Oh. And we saw on the news that nothing happened because that one landed safely. There was no problem. So we were just like, okay, yeah, that's the same thing I've just heard that nothing's going to happen. This is all yes. good. And the, and the cabin crew and the pilot were so professional about it. There was no like, like they, they, they were just like, come like, oh, like just another day at the office kind of thing, you know? So, so there was no panic or anything like that. I did call my mom because I, I was going to be late for dinner. So <laughs> I was like, uh, I called and said, hey, yeah, I'm going to be a little late, there, so I'm gonna be late on a plane. Yeah, but I didn't. I didn't tell her why. But uh, yeah, but yeah, she 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 called uh, when when she heard about it, and and I, we had just gotten down, and we were just standing around in a circle, and or in a circle, we were a little scattered, and trying to like figure out what to do next. Really, uh, we were in the uh, you know in the uh, arrival termination or uh, term terminal or whatever you call it, um, and, yeah. and just like trying to figure out what what's what's next. And she called, and she was all hysterical, like. <laughs> I'm down. Just, I'm fine. Wow. So, we, we, did yeah. you were you in a free fall, or were you just when did no? Nah, um, so, so, so there's actually a YouTube video uh, of it. You can actually see it on YouTube. Uh, this this free, because there was like I said, there was an hour and a half or so uh, where they uh, tried to burn fuel and stuff. So, uh, so the the news crews had time to get out there, and someone was filming it. And wow. Um, we were yeah, we were just uh, it was just a landing or just and just it wasn't. But you see the the plane coming down, landing and. And as it touches ground, the right uh, wheel kind of collapses and, and it, uh, it goes down on the right wing and uh, debris flies everywhere. And yeah. Right. So fascinating. So it's interesting that you just all of a sudden just kind of picked up and brushed yourself off and went on another plane and went home and saw mom and <laughs> gave her a kiss on the cheek and went on with your life. But I guess in, in hindsight, was there anything out of this ex yeah. experience that you go, that helped me in some way? And if so, how? I think... Yeah, I think I think in general I am very much like that. Uh, I'm very much like you know, every time something bad happens or or someone wants to uh, you know do me bad or or, or my business or whatever it, it might be, I'm very much that person that just like bounces up and 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 keeps on trucking. I'm uh, if anything, it fuels me and it gives me you know uh, if someone tells me no or tells me this this cannot be done, then it it fuels me and and I'm definitely gonna show you that it can be done. There's no doubt about it. So then don't ever tell me something can't be done if you don't want that to happen. Um, <laughs> so, so for me, it's, it's, it's very much about, uh, you know, I just got to keep doing what I am uh, doing and then I might take the long road. I, I've never taken shortcuts or anything like that and just like keep trucking and keep pushing for my goal. And, um, and I think that was just one of these little things um, that you can just add on, onto it. It's, it's very much like me. Um, so that's probably also why it didn't really bother didn't me much or, or, or become a thing for me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
So when you find like with your business, and I want to talk more about that shortly, but when you reach a plateau in your business, do you feel like you need to create another one to climb? Like is success fine for a while or do you, are you always creating something that's going to require a tremendous Herculean effort? You know, always, always. I'm never always. going to retire. It's yeah. yeah, it's, it's like for, for me, uh, I've never had these like big, big goals in, in, in mind. I've, it's always been small stepping stones, you know, now I've achieved this. What's next? Okay. Now mm-hmm. we're there next, next, next all the time. So it's never, you know, I, I want to build the biggest phone service provider in the world. No, it's like, I, I want to build a little product with this and this feature. And then let's see if we can sell it. And then we'll add some, something else to it. Same thing with music. When I was in that, uh, it was just, you know, started out DJing and then I got to this club and played there and then, oh, it could be cool if I could go to this bigger one and, and so on, but not with, with any like particular big goal in mind. So that's interesting because a lot of people would subscribe to the idea that you need to have a longer term vision and a purpose to be able to shoot for because that gives you direction and and clarity. You're saying, no, the shorter, smaller steps are, are the way that's worked for you at least, it sounds like. Yeah. And probably because I have ADD, majorly ADD. And, you know, I, I have to constantly have something new in front of me. There's got to be some, some kind of uh, new aspect to it. So that, there's, there's definitely that part of it. Um, and, and then, you know, probably the reason why I've been in, in this industry now that I have for 10 years, which is completely unheard of for me, uh, is, is really because of that thing, you know, always changes. There's always new uh, technology. There's always new things yeah. to make uh, or to build. So com- constantly, is, is, uh, there's always something new I can learn. And that's really the most important for me. I don't know who said it. It may have been somebody on this podcast at some point that said that they thought that a preponderance of entrepreneurs had some form of ADD. And if oh, yeah. that's the case, like you and I and a lot of other people are in <laughs> good company, you know, that's I mean, There's no doubt. <laughs> well, well, tell us the story yeah. about being a DJ and, and, and what Sorry. got you to uh, just to jump ship. It's just not my day today. One second. No, one you're second. all good. Yeah. I lost, I, I, I lost this one. <laughs> I don't know what's what going doing? on with, uh, with technology for me, they say. Okay. Sorry about that. Now, go back to the your DJing. I mean, how what what was the... What was the pinnacle? What were you doing at that point? Because it sounds like you, this is over in Denmark, right? Mm-hmm. And then how did you jump ship um, yeah, from so, doing that to, you know, starting your current company? Yeah. So, so, so this was right before that, actually. So, so the, the crash happened in 2010 and around 2011 and 12, within 12 months, I played 383 gigs uh, in one year, basically. Uh, and I DJ. burned completely out. Yeah. As yeah. a DJ. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I completely burned out on that. I was uh, never home. It was, uh, you know, more than one a day, uh, typically three gigs in a day and then wow. you know, a little bit of travel. And it was just not fun anymore. It's playing the same tracks over and over. And I had, didn't have time to make new music. Uh, and again, because of the ADD thing, I have to have everything neatly arranged and, and everything plugged in in my studio and, and be in the right uh, mood to be t- uh, creative. I can't just be on my laptop in a hotel like a lot of my friends are when they right. make their music. So I hadn't made anything for a year. Um, so I was, you know, falling behind and, and I told my manager, Hey, I need a, a little break from, from playing gigs and I need to make new music and, and get all that going. So while I was doing that, I started messing with, uh, an idea I had for a bottle where DJs and producers could share music and, uh, uh in, in, in a certain way. And I needed a phone system, like a support line for that. Uh, <laughs> uh like, like, you know, like, a uh, uh, queue with uh, phone menus and all that kind of stuff. And I couldn't find anything out of the box that was good or 
affordable and huh. that I can that, that kind of checked all of my boxes. So I was like, okay, I'll just build it myself. Typical ADD again. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and I started coding that thing and now it's been 10 years. I've been coding on it. Had uh, you been a coder and, and, before? And, had you ever known how to do that? Yeah. You had done some of that. Yeah, so I started coding when I was six, yeah, six years old or something like that when I started <laughs> writing code. What's that? Were you self-taught? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm self-taught with everything. I dropped, uh, dropped out of uh, high school. Um, so I, so you don't uh, have a, I'm, I'm very, very good at But you don't have a high school diploma? No, I don't. I, I, I yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> Again, probably also a very significant uh, ADD trait. Uh, yeah, right. I, I was completely over the, the school thing. And I was told all the way, you know, through all classes that, all, all, all years that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very, very good in school and I get straight A's, but only for the things I'm interested in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and it's, you know, so that's just what it is. And, uh, but at that time when I was like, I think 14, I, I had already built my first website. This was back in 1998 where yeah. I'd built a website where artists could share art. Uh, this was like for drawing and painting and that kind of stuff. I had some friends that were good at that. And, uh, that had grown to be Scandinavia's biggest, uh, community. Uh, basically a social media before that even was a thing. Um, and I sold that when I was 18, when I started wanting to be a DJ more um, professionally. So I'd always, you know, uh, been a nerd. And even when I was doing music, I started a record label and, and was writing the software for keeping track of the, of the releases and that kind of stuff. So um, it was not new to me, let me say it like that. So all this is taking place in, in Denmark? Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, so okay. DJing was like all over the world, pretty much. Okay, all right. So you, and then... You also then, I understand, became a father of twins. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when that did this happen? That's the, uh, two years ago. Two years ago. Two so years I'm ago. a very so tired this man. Is, okay. Got it. And I, all right. So congratulations on that. That's, uh, that's a whole nother journey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When did you, so now you live in LA, is that correct? Yeah. 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 And that's where your company is now based. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about the, the, the phone company and, and your approach to essentially Compete with some big players. I mean, I, I, this is a great, uh, like, listen up on this one, because how do you differentiate yourself in a sea of sharks, in a sea of companies that are so yeah. much more funded, have so much more name recognition? I mean, how do you compete yeah. in that? So tell us about that. It's not a, not a logical thing to do and, or decision to make a phone company. And, and not only that, but not have any money. And the thing was, we, when we started out, so I, I started the company with my, my wife. We had just met each other back then. And we thought, like everyone else, I think, we need to go out and get $200 million investments and then everything will be great, right? Uh, yeah. that's, that's what you do when you have a tech company. And, right, and, right. and it turns out that, first of all, it's really, really hard to get people to invest in a phone company, uh, especially because of the things you just mentioned. And second of all, who's going to invest in a couple who just met? So uh, yes. that, was, that was tough in the first couple of years. So we've cashed in her 401k. I didn't have any money left. So uh, uh, cashed in her 401k and we got started on that um, and, and, and took it from there. Um, in this beginning, we really just didn't focus so much about trying to compete against, let's say, Verizon or at t We really just focused on, on, on creating a product that those people that used it love and then add features to it as people ask for it. Uh, and if it made sense, you know, so... Yeah. Uh, that was that was kind of like the, the the main thing in the beginning, and as we grew in terms of, of of new customers, every time we added a new feature, we would get more customers. We would be more appealing to a larger chunk of uh, businesses. Yeah. Um, and 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 so that's pretty much what we've been doing since then. We have only gotten customers from uh, really good SEO and word of mouth. We've never spent a dollar on advertising because one thing is uh, uh, it, it would probably be great to do that, but 
it's very, very expensive in, uh, in our uh, industry, like $700 per click for an ad on, on, uh, on oh, Google. I hear you. Um, and know them. Yeah, the math adds up because customers stay for so, so long, pay so and so much per month, but we didn't have that money to pay for the, uh, the customers upfront in that way. So we had to just be really good at SEO and get our customers organically. And that's, that's what we, we did. Uh, we just figured out how to do that. So again, your company is called Telzio, uh, correct? Telzio. T-E-L-Z-I-O. And it's a cloud-based phone system or company. So am I correct yep. in that? Yeah. And yeah, so exactly. what's, I mean, if you take a look at like Verizon, you know, everybody's got Verizon. <laughs> what's the differentiator? between you and a large company, or is there one? Yeah, well, yes and no. So on, at the end of the day, it's a phone service and it's a business phone service, so targeted businesses, and it has all the features that everyone else has. Uh, and, and, and of course, we are you know, trying to add the new things uh, before everyone else. There's a couple of, of features that we started out with and that everyone else copied eventually. But at the end of the day, it is a pretty boring industry. There's not a lot going on. Well, there is now with AI and stuff, but Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 not it's a place where you can really differentiate yourself a lot. What we have done though is uh, we build it ourselves in house, so we are fully in control of everything we do. That also means that we are in control of stability and that kind of stuff. So where our customers, or sorry, our competitors, um, like promise ninety nine point nine 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 percent uptime. I mean that adds out to like is it eight hours a year or something like that? That's pretty bad, uh, especially for for a business. Uh, we haven't been down since two thousand sixteen. Not a single minute. And that's really yeah. because we are in control, right? We, we can fix things uh, and make sure that it's stable. That's one thing. But I think the most important is really our approach to billing. Uh, because I think it's my Danish background probably. But this whole thing about uh, having, uh, you know, you, first of all, you pay per user. So you also pay for the ones that don't really use the product. That's, that's a very typical thing in our industry. You pay a flat fee per user. Yes. But then there's different plans for startups and enterprises. And you have to have the enterprise plan to get those features that you really need. Yes. And that's not fair to me. Like, what, what, why, why is it that enterprises that can afford to pay those things are the only ones that get those features? So, so, so the ones that already made it, they are getting rewarded, right? They, they get right. everything. And the startups, they don't get anything. That, that just it doesn't sit well with me. So what we did was, uh, and people were telling us we were crazy in the beginning, and uh, we probably were back then, but we decided to say, okay, we've just charged for the minutes and the text you pay, uh, you, you sent and receive and all that, but no different plans for features and no like unlimited plans. You just, just what you use. Um, and you get all the features, the same one as, as Facebook and Samsung, which are, you know, some of our customers, they get the same features as you do as a startup with two employees. Um, and, and, I remember and the day when, when cell phones came out, you know, it was sort of like, it was all based on number of minutes you know and you couldn't go above yeah. a certain amount you know and, and it was expensive it was based on data amounts a lot more so it's, we're kind of going back to that but with all yeah. the features that the exactly. big boys have yeah 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 but but think about it you also don't pay for electricity and water per employee right That's you pay true. for what you use exactly and 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 with, when you add this up if you take our minute rate and add it up to to what you get it's, it's actually less than what you would pay with, with our competitors. But, but um, I got to ask, I mean, what about coverage? I mean, like, are you, can it, does it have the same sort the of world? coverage as you would? Like, yeah. again, I have to compare with Verizon because that's what we use. Am I going to yeah. get the same sort of clarity as I would with you guys? Yeah, yeah completely. And we, anywhere I mean, we where have there's uh, internet. worldwide coverage. Anywhere yeah, there's yeah, internet. Everywhere there's internet. That's the only, 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. If I don't have internet, that, that, that also means that. Yeah, and that that also means that you can you can take your your phone with you, or you know, use your cell phone and mobile app or your your laptop anywhere in the world and receive calls. Or if you have employees somewhere else in the world, you can still have them on it and and have them answer your phone uh, for you. But again, if I'm not if I'm not connected to the internet because there is no internet where I am, obviously it wouldn't work. Yeah, but then your phone also wouldn't work. Your cell phone. Uh, well, when your your cell phone is going to be on a different network, so it won't be on the internet. Well, yeah, but uh, most cell phones are on the internet. Uh, like, if you take your cell phone right now and make a phone call, that's being made over the internet. It's not being made over a proprietary uh, cell phone network anymore. It was back in the day, but not okay. anymore. Uh, that's 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 changed over the past maybe ten years. So I could be out in the middle of the freaking desert and pick up a Verizon phone call, and then have another phone with yours. And we would still get mm -hmm. the same kind of service. Yeah, and in many cases, you actually get better service with us. But that's a longer discussion. We, yeah. Ah, interesting. Okay, all right. This is very interesting. So I want to talk a little bit about this differentiation thing because I'm going to make some analogies here. I mean, like companies that might be listening to this conversation might be interested from sort of a, a marketing perspective. You know, how do we differentiate in a crowded market? But I also think that yeah. there could be something on the individual level, like how do I tell, how do I differentiate myself as a leader, as a person, when there's so many other people do what I do? And I think that's always a struggle that people have. So what, how have you been able to differentiate your company? And you say that you've been doing it without paying for advertisement. That's fascinating. <laughs> What's yeah. your process? Uh, make a good product. That's really the main thing for me is, is but how do people get to guide, know about and... your great product? So those of you who are not, seeing this conversation so i'm talking to peter <laughs> and he has got one of the most kick-ass studio images that i've ever seen in two and a half years of doing this podcast it is slick and and <laughs> you you and i talked before we started this conversation and hit the live button he's got cameras and lighting it is like a little hollywood studio i'm assuming right you probably put a yeah, few bucks yeah, into this yeah. but i gotta tell you my friend yeah. it looks phenomenal so is that part you. of your strategy is this content and, and i guess what is the are you are you doing a lot of podcasts are you doing tiktok are you on social media what is the way that you're getting the word out aside from just having a great product yeah well i, I think i think it really boils down to the great product thing because um when it started out uh it was really about getting a few customers and not try to compete with the big guys we, we really just like took that out of our heads and said okay we can't compete. There's no way we can compete because we don't have a product yet that has the same features. We don't have anything compared. Uh, so we really just focused on, on, on creating a product that has the features that some people wanted and then get those customers to sign up. And, and in the beginning, it was really just writing about it on some message, message boards and stuff like that. All we could do. Uh, and eventually, you know, our SEO and, and our website started picking up traction uh, in terms of adding the right content and figuring out how do you actually do SEO. And there's a lot of resources on how you do that. But it takes a long time. Um, the reason why we have the studio is really also just because of, of, of the whole SEO thing. And that's has changed over, yeah, since we started 10 years ago. Uh, back then, it was just about having a website that creates, you know, that has the right things that people search for and, and a lot of keywords in there and, and, and so on. And that's changed now. You can't fake that anymore. It's, you can't just make a lot of content and write a certain things many times right. on a page. That doesn't yeah. work. Google is too smart. Google, you know, looks at, how can I best provide uh, my search or my visitors with the uh, best content uh, or the most accurate content in terms of what they search for? 
because if I do that, then searchers will use Google to uh, to to do their searches. So that's that's the whole game plan. Uh, the better the engine is, and the more accurate uh, results it replies uh, or supplies, the better uh, it is for the end user. So you, as a as a business owner, you have to create content that uh, targets and and answers those questions that people have. And and it used to be website content and and written content, but that's moving more and more towards podcasts and uh, and blogging. Uh, sorry, uh, video uh, uh, blogging and these kind of things and and video content. And that's really why we are investing in the studio, so we can create not only support guides and stuff like that, but also actually editorial um, content for our website and, and YouTube channels and so on. So if I just sort of recap this, it really sounds like your process has been around starting small and mm-hmm. finding out what you can do really, really well, really understanding what your customer needs are and building off of that and then scaling as they ask for more. So it's almost like your customer yeah. in some way is very much a part of the design process of your company's growth. So you don't add something yeah. unless they need it. And, and I wonder if sometimes in companies, we sometimes create things that we don't even know whether somebody needs, you know? Yeah, yeah, we- yeah, exactly. And, and that's, that's the main thing is, is really because uh, one thing is we didn't have money to hire people in the beginning either. So I did customer service and tech support and, and sales and all these things on the phone every single day for the first two or three years. Yeah. Uh, and that was a blessing because I was 100% in, in touch with our customers. I heard firsthand what they were asking for and what their pain points were and, 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 and you know, both from a business point of view, but also technical. So it allowed me to really get a good understanding of well, what is it that a business customer really wants uh, and what is it that they they don't know that they want, but they say between the lines. Uh, and, and that, you know, was, was, was the reason why I was able to build, build some features that no one else in the industry had because, well, no one knew that they were, there was a need for it. I get it. So um, you mentioned that some of the challenges that came to you, you know, like the, the plane crash, um, having children, you know, wonderful additions to one's life, but it's a challenge, right? Working in a company mm-hmm. that has a lot of competition. Yeah. You know, you've been a you've been a master at being able to overcome challenges that come to you. What sort of challenges have you created that you wish you hadn't? Meaning, what were your big mistakes that, like, ah, yep, that was me. Yeah. I did that, and I learned <laughs> from it. What did what were the mistakes, and what did you learn from? So, when I was uh, in my twenties, that was before I, I understood. Uh, First of all, I didn't have a diagnosis back then called ADD. Right? That wasn't that wasn't even invented back then. Uh, right. So, so when I was in my early 20s, um, I was having a lot of success uh, mu- with my music career and I had just started my record label and I was basically doing everything uh, that I, I felt like doing and, and it was fun to me. And yeah. at the same time, saying yes to everything that people ask for. And I started burning a lot of bridges because of that, because you only have 24 hours a day and uh, saying yes to doing something is good, but if you don't follow through, if you have too much on your plate and you can't follow through, uh, then it's actually worse than saying no in the first place. And mm. I didn't understand that back then. So I, I had way too much to do and I couldn't do all of it. And then all of a sudden nothing was getting done and it was, it was a mess. And luckily I had a, a, a booking agent. Uh, she pulled me aside and said, hey, Peter, what's going on? What's, what's, what's this? Uh, this is not like you. Um, and she helped me facilitate the sale of my label. and. Uh, and it basically helped me put a put a little break on everything for a while, and I moved back on my mom's couch for a month or so, and 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 stayed there, and and, and kind of like yeah. just yeah reset. Um, and and that taught me a lot about myself, obviously, but also this whole thing about uh, 
you only have so much time, so much energy. You have to really focus on the things that matter. Try to eliminate the things that you don't, that are not necessary. And then it's okay to say no. I mean, I, I, I'm a people pleaser. I love to, say, to help everyone. But if I say yes to everything, nothing is going to get done. So it's better so to say no. Great, and, and, and You bring up a really great point, Peter. And I've had these conversations with leaders for years that it seems almost like you could you know, set your watch to this, that at a certain point in a young leader's progression, uh, they start to get really good at something and they start getting noticed. And all of a sudden they've made it in terms of the credibility factor. And now uh, the whole process of them saying yes to everything becomes the very thing that can bring them down in that now everybody yeah. wants a piece of them and they get all this extra work because they've proven themselves to say yes to all these other things. And of course, mm -hmm. stress and issues start to arise. But I guess the question for me is, and this is something that comes up all the time is, but everything, Dean, feels like it's a priority. How do I determine what is essential and what is not? You know, and I think that's the trick or the, 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 the trap, I should say, that people get themselves into is that they say yes to all these things because they all seem important. How do you, mm -hmm. or how did you, or how are you making the distinct, distinction of this is a priority versus this is something I should say no to? I think in the beginning, I, one thing that really helped me after this, this little reset was to write things down on a piece of paper and then look at everything that I have on my plate and, and pick, pick out uh, or, or prioritize it in a list, literally uh, write on a paper, piece of paper everything. Because the, when you have these different tasks, on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I think in the beginning, uh, what really helped me to kind of get into the habit of saying no was just to write down on post-its or, or, or just a piece of paper, the different tasks I had on my plate at the moment, and then prioritize those ones. Because when you have them in front of you written down, it's very easy to say, okay, this one is more important than that one for sure. And then once this one goes down the bottom, oh, now, now this one is all the way at the bottom. So do that, you know, post-its are, are great. And, and you can do that ongoing. If you have a wall and just Put some post-its up there with, with the different tasks you have. And then eventually you'll start getting more and more in the habit of, of just doing this mentally, uh, having this, this list in, in your head of, of things. And then it's very, very fast for you to say, well, this is just not going to get done if I'm realistic about it. And talk to myself and say, hey, are you really going to have time to do this? No. Okay, then you should say no. Uh, that, that's really helped me. And it's, it's, it's very low practical, but it's, it, it no, works. It's, a, it's, very, it's very useful. It, I think that I would add yeah. another idea that make me think of as you're talking, Peter, is you said it before that you, were, you do like to please people, and a lot of us do. Nope. And yeah. I think if you have this list that you just described, I would say, yes, do that. And which of the items on this list are really about pleasing somebody else? Mm -hmm. And which of these items on the list are about pleasing myself or a higher purpose, something that's going to be more beneficial for more people. And it might be a way yeah. to help segment because I think that a lot of times people do the things that they do because of what you just said. We want to please people, but maybe it's not really as important. It's about keeping the relationship in check. Yeah. And, and, and in a sense, what we are saying yes to is our fear. Well, we're saying yes to the, the opportunity not to have to have con, not to have to yeah. disappoint people, uh, and I think I think uh, also the opportunity to just get some goodwill back, and that I'm very much on that. Uh, it's it's you know everything I do, I never ask for anything in return. Uh, I I believe that eventually 
good thing will come to me. And, and, and that's, yeah, exactly. It's, 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 and, and, and that's proven to be true so many times in my life. Uh, and, and so, so, so I'm not saying don't say yes to anything that's not going to benefit yourself. Definitely not. Right. Uh, and, 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 and also if it's not something that, you know, monetarily wise or, or anything like right now will, will get you whatever you want. Uh, definitely say yes to thing, but don't don't say yes to too much. Say yes to the things that you know you can get done, uh, that you 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 know that you have capacity to do. And if if it's out of that, then it's better to say no rather than to say yes and not get it done. Yeah, and I think by saying yes to yourself, and what I mean by that is, yeah. what do I need to be whole, to be balanced, to to be healthy, to have you know, a relatively stress-free life, you know, these are ideals, yeah. but what do I need? I can put myself in the equation, not just everybody else. Because sometimes I think that those of us who say yes to everything, just don't say yes to ourselves. Our, our yes to ourselves right. kind of becomes a second or third or fourth priority. We don't put ourselves in the, into the mix. And I think there's also something about that we create a lot of yeses. And in so doing, we also are urgency addicted. So everything becomes sort of frenetic. And there's a tremendous yeah. amount of energy and have a buzz. It's like six cups of coffee because you're just moving so fast because you have to move so fast because you said yes to so many things. And that becomes what the yeah. new normal feels like after a while. This is what life should, should feel like. You know, this is me being successful, right? Is, <laughs> is not sleeping yeah. but three hours a night and working seven days a week, you know? And I think that that becomes yeah. itself. That becomes almost like our own downfall if we continue that way. It's it's a little bit of self sabotage, right? Quite, yeah. quite frankly, yeah. But it's incredibly people, important, and it's also really important to 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 do things that don't necessarily make sense uh, from a business point of view, or or or, or things that that you have to do uh, to 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 help others and so on. So do something that really just uh, you know in, that you enjoy doing. Yeah. You know, cook dinners or whatever it is that you you like doing. Make that a priority uh, because it's okay to have a hobby and, and do things for yourself once in a while. Um, it's funny you say that's, that's, that's a great <laughs> point, should, yeah. man. I was talking to the, the former chief of staff for Zappos yesterday, and she had a close relationship with, with uh, Tony Shea, and she was talking about uh, some of her experiences. And sometimes this, the whole thing with Zappos was, yeah, we're going to measure all sorts of things, but sometimes just giving a person the hug is the right thing to do. You know, like, why yeah. shouldn't you do that? So like, we don't have to be so... Okay. Uh, metrics driven. Sometimes just do it because it's the right thing. So Peter, it's great. Yeah. This is really good stuff, man. I just want to uh, ask you, how can people know more about you, more about your company? I, quite frankly, I'm going to check you out because you know you've gotten me interested. <laughs> so I'm going to spend some time later on to, to play around your website and go, hmm, would this be something we should look into? So uh, you might be hearing from me, but I want to ask, how can people follow what you're all about? So me personally, uh, is my website petersroto.com has uh, all the links to all my social media and please go there and reach out and write to me. I, so okay. we, we get so many you know emails about you know sales things and business stuff. I just really like to hear from real people. So please do that. <laughs> okay. And then your company again is Telzio, T E L Z I O, right? And we can find mm -hmm. yeah, and you're exactly. all on social media and LinkedIn and all the other sites. All of that, yeah. Awesome. Well, I do appreciate your time, my friend. It's been wonderful to get to know you and uh Again, you got a kick-ass studio there. I really am quite thinking like, <laughs> yeah. it, it, this is gorgeous. Yeah, really yeah great. I like it. We've spent quite a bit of time and money on this. So <laughs> I'm, I'm happy have. to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Have a great day. Thank you. You too, man. All right. Thank you for listening to The Business of Intuition. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. 
Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about Dean or Mission Facilitators Leadership, go to mfileadership.com. That's mfileadership.com.